0: Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Alex Rybczynski. He's a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach. He's also a Czech practitioner level four, and he's here today to talk to us about improving athletic performance. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the program. Yeah, my pleasure. So you have a very extensive background, massage therapy, personal training, and can you tell us a little bit more about the check training that you have and what all is entailed in that?
2: Yeah, it's an extensive process of going through, um, it takes up to seven years to fully complete it if you're actually following the program very uh, diligently. And so there's a lot of... Um, they go into a lot of, uh, orthopedic assessments and they look at movement and they look at infant development. So how you start off as a child and how you progress through movement and mm-hmm. where you skip that can actually impede performance later on in your life. Oh, wow. And, um, we're looking at also mental, emotional health, spiritual health. So we're looking at how is your relationships with yourself, with family, what, what, what is in your head? What are, what are your thoughts going through? Are you beating yourself up, causing yourself to have breakdowns in your performance or in anywhere in life? And what are your spiritual beliefs and how are they potentially impacting your life in a positive or negative way? And as long as there's, as long as there's something that's not serving what you truly believe and Mm -hmm. you're just following something that, that, um, someone else believes and, but it, to your core, it's not your truth. It's going to cause problems in some way. So which, which could mean manifested injuries,
3: Mm.
2: movement, movement imbalances, uh, bad choices for what you're trying to achieve or what your dream is. And so nice. check covers the the whole spectrum of where these problems could be coming from. So that way you're not just looking at one piece of the puzzle because we have four bodies and the physical is only 25% of the holistic piece, which is the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. And so if you're only looking at 25%, that's a failing grade anywhere you go. So, right. and even if you get a hundred percent of that 25%, you're still failing.
1: Interesting. And I think that's so uh, poignant because a lot of times when I am, um, you know, learning about athletic performance and fitness training, you're right, it's mostly focused on just that physical component. Um, But I know for a lot of the people out there, whether they're the people kind of doing our beginners workouts and kind of just at the kind of... um, beginning of their fitness journey so to speak all the way to you know professional athletes and people who are really looking to push it up to the next level um, it sounds like going outside of just those physical pieces is maybe where the solutions lie is mm-hmm. that what you find a lot of the time yeah
2: I mean there there could be like for for an analogy I guess what I could say is if if you have a lion that is, in this case, a professional athlete, a lion that is massive, is big and strong and fast, but he has a thorn in his foot physically, it's going to impede his performance, you take Mm -hmm. out the thorn, the lion heals, it gets better. But if the lion isn't courageous enough to be the dominance of a lion, even though he has the physical, mental, uh, um, spiritual well, everything in him is a lion. He looks Mm -hmm. like a lion, he's big and strong and fast, but if he doesn't believe that he's capable of being a lion. He won't achieve his potential. Mm. So it's understanding as where is where is the um, where is the missing or the weakest link in the person. So that way you can strengthen it or completely remove it if that's necessary. And for a lot of people, it's their diet. For a lot of people, it's their beliefs. For a lot of people, it's and uh, their their mental emotional health. It's their relationships are causing them to find ways to externalize their physical, mm. their mental, emotional angst through physical exercise or, right. um, so my, my question is always, why are you, why are you doing what you're doing? And mm-hmm. then, because once I realize why, or understand why you're doing what you're doing, we can figure out what is impeding that reasoning or what's underlying that, that, that reason or that, that drive to do what you're doing mm-hmm. to the point that you may get injured to the point that you may, um, uh, you know, lose family members, love and respect because you're never around, or it just depends on what, mm. what's, what's missing or what needs to be addressed that's causing this kind of, uh, weakness because, you know, you have a triathlete that trains a long time, a lot of times, uh, a lot of hours in a day, right? but their family relationship suffers. So if now they're worrying about the relationship at home suffering, and so now they're Performance is physically suffering because their family re- relationship is suffering. Right. And then, so it's looking at, you know, and, and these guys can go to years of physical therapy and everything under the sun, but everyone misses that their family is suffering because they're off training and right. that's not part of their dream. So, cause their family unit isn't tied together, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's looking at what is the, what is the weakest link? And then what is the, yeah, what is the weakest link and what's causing the most Problem and chaos in their life,
1: right? I think it's interesting that it sounds, um, you know, like probably a lot of the work that you do is kind of kind of scratch the surface, so to speak, and see all of the things underneath. You know, like you used the analogy earlier of the thorn in in the foot or something like that. You know, sometimes there really are those physical issues immobility, lack of flexibility, maybe there's an injury that never fully healed or something like that. Um, but what would you say is the most common, like, unexpected reason or problem that athletes are having?
2: Uh, physically? Or are you talking about in general?
1: Let's start with in general, and then maybe we can go through each of the individual categories.
2: Well, in general, it's, it's their, usually their beliefs. Mm. Because whatever they're doing is because they believe it's right. So a mentality, for example, maybe someone that's a CrossFit athlete used to be a high school or a collegiate wrestler, gymnast, whatever. And now their body, they're no longer needing to do that strenuous of work, mm-hmm. but that's the work ethic they learned. Or let's say even go back to, a, cause I played football for 11 years. And what do they say in football, leave it on the field, mm-hmm. play like it's your last play. What kind of mentality does that bring into a person that means If you get injured, now you have an excuse not to be great. Well, Mm. so work until you're injured is what the underlying message is there. But when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, what kind of message is that? You're still under that belief system Mm. that work until you're injured instead of, you know, rest when you're dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. No, sleep now so you can keep doing what you're doing or right. else you will be dead. Sleep and Sleep now you'll so get, you
1: live longer. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you can do, keep doing what you love because if you're out there to spread a message or you're out there to, you know, bring, bring amazing things into the world, mm-hmm. well, it's going to be shortened by s- poor health practices, like right. not being, not sleeping in, enough or,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, drinking too much coffee, even though you're burnt out and then. Why are you drinking coffee? Because you're not sleeping. And then this is constant catch that you need something because you're not getting another something because you have an idea that if you rest, you're weak, you know? Right. And so without realizing the nervous system takes six to seven times longer to recover than your physical body does. <clears throat> and so if you're just – that's why rest periods on, on power exercises are three to five minutes, not 30 seconds.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because if you truly have a one rep max – and then you wait less than three minutes, you may not get that again. You may not lift that weight again, unless you wait three minutes or five minutes. And then you'll be able to have the coordination enough to couple all those movements together to do a snatch or clean or deadlift or whatever the the lift that you're doing.
1: Interesting. So, you know, to take something that's getting really popular right now, the high intensity interval training, what is your perspective on that? Because a lot of times, you know, I see that there'll be like 30 seconds of exercise, 30 seconds of rest. Is mm-hmm. that an adequate rest period or it, it kind of depends on the exercise?
2: It's not really high intensity at that point because high intensity usually implies that you're at a high threshold for motor recruitment, which is which means that your body has to take a long time to recover, which means you're usually using anaerobic systems, which means you're not using oxygen, which means it takes, you're burning sugar, which takes longer to replace that sugar via the Krebs cycle. And so you're not really doing anything high intensity because the rest doesn't allow that to occur. So what you're doing Mm -hmm. is actually, you're still stressing an anaerobic system. So, but you're, you're stressing more of hypertrophy and strength endurance, not so much high intensity. So it's strength, endurance, intensity training.
1: Interesting. And so if people actually want to uh, reach their full level of intensity or their max weight they could lift or something, that, that significant rest period is actually much more important.
2: Correct. I mean, just like the same way, um, if you do push-ups, it won't increase your max bench press. But if you, if you do max bench press, you'll increase your push-ups because you increase your threshold of the, of, of the percentage of body weight you could lift. And that, with that analogy, there's still some things like one is open, one is closed chain. And that's... I'm not... I'm not That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But, um, what I was trying to get at is if you increase the amount of strength you have, you'll be able to have more endurance because the weight that you're lifting is so dramatically less compared to what you're capable of lifting Mm -hmm. that you could do it more often. Right. Right. So if I, if you, if your maximum lift is a hundred pounds over your head, You could probably lift a grocery bag over your head that weighs eight pounds, or let's say even 30 pounds or 40 pounds Mm -hmm. over your head or like a sack of rice. But now if your max was 200 pounds, you could lift that 40 pound sack endlessly because it's only, that's only what, 30%, 30%, Mm -hmm. if my math is right, probably isn't,
0: but (laughs) it's about 30%. So you can
2: lift 30% of anything a lot of times. So it just depends on what your goal is, what you're trying to achieve and what your performance is. Now, if you're an endurance athlete, now you're training power, strictly power, it's going to impede your endurance. Interesting. So it just all depends on what your sport is, what your, what your goal is. If your goal is to be, um, uh, increase your performance in, uh, daily life. Like if you're a UPS worker, mm-hmm. well, training power only may not help because there's always that endurance aspect to being able, getting it in and out of the truck all the time, all the time. And for eight
1: hours straight or 10 hours straight.
2: Exactly. But endurance may not be also the best way because even though you're in the car for eight hours or the truck for eight hours, hauling boxes, you still need strength to haul those boxes. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough strength endurance to recover and be able to lift those heavy boxes, put them on people's doors and recover by the time you get into the car and lift the next one,
3: <laughs> then you're
2: not, then your performance is going to suffer. Right. So it's all based on what is the objective of the athlete or what is the, what is the dream or the goal that they're trying to achieve? And then you base their whole program around that.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And then, so ideally speaking, it sounds like you really do need, um, you know, a variety of those things. Like you're not always training power or always training endurance. Um, and then I think, most importantly, as you're saying, um, that it's tailor-made to the person. So you're taking into account what is that person's background, what is that person's goals. Um, definitely in the you know arena of professional athletes or Olympic athletes, and they have a very specific um, task or goal that they're working toward. Um, so getting into, you know, earlier I had asked you, uh, what are the biggest limitations you see? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing you said was beliefs. And then you had said, well, do you mean physical or general? So can you now go into maybe some of the physical limitations, yeah. what you see most commonly? Um,
2: usually people have, a, almost everyone I work with has some kind of breathing pattern disorder. Interesting. And so if you don't breathe properly, you don't create the right tension properly. Just as if anyone ever has been wakeboarding or or water skiing, the fir- or or two being on a boat the first thing they do is they pull tension on the cord before they take off
3: mm-hmm. and that's
2: because if they just took off you would may not be able to hold on
3: right <laughs> right
2: so it gives you a, a chance for your body to adjust to the speed to the to the strength of the boat pulling you mm-hmm. and so it's not a sudden shock to the system and so when people don't have the stability to control their joints and they just yank or they don't create enough tension because their breathing is off and they're not creating the tension in their, in their abdominal cavity to pull tension on those muscles before they do the lift or whatever they're doing, then the joints become less stable. And then the joint has a chance of getting injured because your body doesn't want to get injured. Right. But if you do it enough, it'll eventually be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So the next, wow. the, usually the first, the first thing I check is breathing in people. And so if their breathing is off, that means they can't do anything. They can't regulate their diet because they're not getting enough oxygen to to metabolize and to shuttle nutrients to their system. They can't manage their emotions because what do you do when you have a panic attack, you breathe, (laughs) right? After you hyperventilate, you Mm -hmm. have to breathe through your belly, right? When you're angry, what do you do? Take 10 deep breaths before you react. Right. But what if a person's breathing improperly? Now they excite that system even more. And so even though that it still works because they're still sedating the system with carbon dioxide, the reason why they're there in the first place is a beliefs, but also because their breathing pattern disorder or the, uh, cause this type of reaction because their body's not harmonizing properly because mm-hmm. it's thinking it's in a s- sympathetic state instead of a parasympathetic state. And so what your body is doing is it's constantly always on fight and flight. Responses. Right. So you can't regulate anything. You can't regulate someone's a side joint if you can't regulate the tension in their abdomen when they're lifting. You can't. You can't uh, regulate someone's shoulder health without regulating their breathing because the because the lats connect into the pelvis and the lats create tension when the belt when the TVA gets stretched, and when the TVA creates. Uh, When you take a deep breath and there's tension, it pulls the thoracolumbar fascia, which is that big white diamond on people's backs and it, and the lats connect into that. So it pulls tension allowing, and the lats are what bridges your arm to your spine. And so if you can't create tension through the, through the breath, then you're not going to be able to stabilize your shoulder, your hip, your ankle, your knee, your neck. It just doesn't happen. So we look at, that's the most common thing that I see in people, but it's not the most obvious. Right. Because people don't look there, you know, people are, I, I see this in yogis. I see these, I see this in meditators. I see this in athletes. I see this in everybody.
1: Interesting. Well, and it's funny because as a, you know, wellness podcast, it comes up quite frequently talking about the breath. Um, that whole component of, um, like you kind of mentioned the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems, um. And that most of us are spending time in that sympathetic, like, fight-or-flight thing. We're always going 100 miles a minute. And then I would think that for athletes, when you're doing, um, you know, a a very physically demanding activity, that you would want to be in that sympathetic state. But are you saying that we actually want to be in the parasympathetic state in order to get our max performance, so to speak?
2: So when you're in a parasympathetic state, your body's always recovering. Mm -hmm. So you can poop, you can, you know, you can relax, your organs can digest, your lungs can fill up, your pancreas can do its thing and give you insulin when it needs it, and your kidneys can filter your blood. But when you're in a sympathetic state, there's a saying it's a if you're being chased by a lion, it's a poor time to throw in a cartwheel. (laughs) And so but how many how many marathon runners do you see themselves crap in their pants? Interesting. Because their body can't handle elimination. And if their organs pop or their organs cause an, too much toxicity, it'll poison the body and kill the person. Wow. So they will void their bowels as a sympathetic, a parasympathetic override to their sympathetic drive that says, hey, you got to get rid of this. You're, it's you're, it's going to kill you. Interesting. So it's not that they stay in a parasympathetic state. It's the fact that if you stay in a sympathetic state too long, you burn out just like if you leave the lights on. Right. They get too hot. And they burn out. And so if you're always leaving the lights on, you're not going to get the performance of the light anymore
3: mm-hmm.
2: because then you have to replace the light bulb, but you can't replace a human being with the same human being. Right.
1: Although I think that may be coming. You just switch out the body, put the soul in the new body, and you just keep I going. I think that's
2: called there. reincarnation. Yeah. <laughs> so different goals, different, different experience, different people in your life. But um, maybe I, I can only imagine if that would work, but that'd be interesting if we can switch bodies, but while we can't, and we're in this one and appreciating the one we have, then we need to also take care of it, which Mm -hmm. is resting. And so it's not, yeah, once again, it's not that they stay in a parasympathetic state while they're performing. It's that they're rested enough that their body can handle the demands of this, the, uh, of the exercise or the, the, uh, activity they're performing. Sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> and, but in mar- like, in cases of martial arts, in cases of, uh, being able to switch back and forth, because if you're panicking in a sympathetic state, you're no longer going to be aware of what's going on inside of you, what's going on around you. And if mm. you, unless you get into a flow state, which slows everything down, which isn't very parasympathetic, you're just getting a lot of drugs pumped in your system via your own system and which allow you, allow you to slow time down and perceive things at a, at much faster processing rates but that's also like injecting yourself with, with drugs. Interesting. And so, uh, your body creates them naturally and that's why you get adrenaline junkies, right? That's why, you know, it doesn't matter how strong you are. Your child gets caught under a car. It doesn't matter how much you deadlift. You're going to deadlift that car, probably also rip all the ligaments in your back and knees, but it doesn't matter. Your child is safe. You will right. deal with that later. Right. And so adrenaline is very powerful unless you keep. Well, especially if you keep using it over and over and over and over and over and then you don't know how to function without that.
1: Interesting. So when we hear the term adrenaline junkies, like there truly is like a physical addiction going on. Oh yeah, there's
2: a chemical addiction. Yeah, of course. Very interesting. And what your body needs that, you know, it's like when you jump out of an airplane, there's that rush of Mm -hmm. like, I feel alive because you don't feel alive most other times. Interesting. Unless you're about to risk your own life. And when you live, you feel alive, Right. you know, and so a lot of people will do risky things to feel alive because their dream or lack of a dream isn't, or they don't have a dream, mm. so what they're achieving. So they're just reaching at things and saying, this helps me validate this part of my belief system,
3: mm.
2: right? Or this helps me externalize this struggle. I'm having and mental, emotionally, and I'll do it physically, but eventually that runs out because mm-hmm. you have three bodies, you have your mental, you have your emotional and your physical body and your mental body feeds on thoughts. Your emotional body feeds on emotions and your, and your physical body feeds on food. And if you don't express the mental and the, or you suppress the mental and the emotional, you're going to get an override of angst and, and of, of a disturbance in your physical body. And so the only way to get rid of it is to work it out.
3: Mm. Right.
2: Right. And so, but you also have to move your emotions. You also have to move your thoughts, but if you're suppressing them long enough and a little backtrack, your organs, are what process your emotions, right? Cause when people get anxious, they get butterflies in their stomach. Right. And when they break up and they're so sad or they, they, you know, someone that they love broke up with them, what happens? They get heartbreak, right? right. So your organs process these emotions, but if they're too busy being toxic or being stressed out by the physical system because the organs dump their excess heat into the physical body. Mm -hmm. And so if they're being too busy, stressed out by the physical system and they can't process their own mental, emotional processes that they need to, that you need to process as, and you feel as a human being, Mm -hmm. and then you develop physical problems, which is why I was asking, (laughs) where's the problems that you're looking or that you want me to address? Because a lot of these problems come from unresolved mental and emotional process, um, uh, problems mm-hmm. that are showing up as physical symptoms, just like a car has a, has a, a, gas light that says you're low on gas, but you don't put the hose into the dashboard. You there's somewhere else you got to put it right? right somewhere in the right. back, open it, open the tank. And that's kind of the whole thing is just because you have a shoulder injury, doesn't mean it came from your shoulder,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, it could have come right between your left and your right ear,
3: Interesting.
2: you know, and so a lot of people may get themselves injured to rest. Right? That's the body's physical way of telling you you need to rest because mm-hmm. also in this country, it's excused to get hurt that you rest.
3: Right.
2: You can't go to your boss and be like, hey, uh, I worked out too hard. I'm going to take a day off today. Is that cool? <laughs> you need to go have a doctor's note. You need to get injured. You need to have surgery. You need to have mm-hmm. cancer. You need to have some kind of problem that's excusable to rest because of the way that we believe that we you know right. go, 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 don't stop.
1: Mm-hmm. That's an interesting Commentary on our culture in general. And honestly, that comes up a lot on this podcast as well. You know, that, and and certainly in the area of athletics, that idea that you go, 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 and you always push and you always push harder. Um, You know, it comes up a lot that, uh, you know, people will brag about how little sleep they can get Mm -hmm. by on. Oh, I only need three hours of sleep. I only need five hours of sleep or whatever. While meanwhile, There can be either known or unknown problems kind of manifesting, all coming back to this like almost ego-driven desire Mm -hmm. to keep pushing yourself so far and achieve more and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like maybe one of the common uh, remedies that you end up providing these athletes is actually that they need to do less exercise, Mm -hmm. do less training, spend more time in that parasympathetic recovery state.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the nervous system remembers everything. I love the saying muscle memory, and I always mm. love more telling people that it's not really muscle memory, it's your nervous system memory, because your nervous system is a programmable machine that relays all the signals from your brain through to every part of you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because if you die, you can still start the, the muscular system by electrocuting it, but you, without the brain functioning, you're not really here, right? right? And so your nervous system, what programs fine motor control, the way you behave, the way you, uh, move in certain movement patterns. And so, uh, you react to things. And so the same way a boxer will hit, hit a jab so many times because when they're about to get knocked out, they still need to be able to learn how to jab because you're not here. Your nervous system still remembers how to throw the punch and keep you long enough away that they can, that you can recover. So you can hopefully beat the guy
0: we'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P S Y C H E T-R-U-T-H.
2: Yeah, it's not so much also that they train less. It's that they need to be match their recovery. Mm. And so if if you're just the same way a NASCAR, if you're if you're driving the car too much and you don't give it for a pit stop, it's just gonna break down and you can't finish the race.
3: Right.
2: So it's just it's a matter of fact of you're not going to forget what you're doing. Your nervous system, even if you haven't ridden a bike for 15 years, you can get on a bike and it'll be shaky. And then within five minutes, you'll remember how to ride a bike. Maybe not the tricks you were doing before. That's another 10 minutes. And then you'll figure that out Mm -hmm. again. And then your body just, your nervous system remembers how to coordinate that and then, Oh, here we go. We're riding a bike again. And so it's the same thing. If you rest, you're not going to be a worse athlete because you're training specific training to your athletic um, uh, not performance or activity, I guess, right. is what builds in the reinforcement of how you coordinate the, the body into functioning. The rest allows you to recover so you can keep functioning. Right. And so, um, that's, that's the beauty. And I explain that to people mm-hmm. and that's what gets them out of that mindset. It's the belief of, I need to keep going.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I go, how has that worked for you? Why are you here? Oh, you're broken. Okay. So it doesn't work. Right. You know, it works for some people until they're hurt. Right. You know, and then what, and then what, where's their excuse? It's always in, oh, it was my training or I slipped. Yeah, because your nervous system wasn't firing together. And that small lapse of fatigue over improper training over long enough of pushing through fatigue in that last two reps of bad form compounded over Mm. years causes Instability and your nervous system remembers that. Push through that. So when you're performing in your game or your meet or your race, and you're exhausted, your brain at the very or your nervous system at the very last exhausted part of the of of your race or activity or game, Mm -hmm. remembers your poor performance, and recreates that. And when some other force acts upon you while you're exhausted, you can't stabilize yourself properly, and then you develop an injury.
1: Interesting. And this is why we always hear you know, athletic coaches talking about it's way more important for you to have proper form in this exercise than to be doing them fast or be doing as many of them, like always keeping the form as mm-hmm. the most important piece. Um, so interesting. And I love that you kind of uh, articulated that it's the nervous system memory, because then that's so easy to understand how it kind of translates out to the rest of your life. You're learning a new motor skill, um, learning really any new activity mm-hmm. Um Definitely, uh, like I I play music. Uh, So a lot of times with like learning music, learning like coordination of the hands and Mm -hmm. the feet and all of that, like I can notice, wow, this is so much easier today Mm -hmm. than when I did this, you know, just yesterday. Something about just sleeping on Mm -hmm. that, you know, even if you just do it for 30 seconds and then sleep on it, somehow you come back the next day and you're like, wow, I'm so much better than I was yesterday in this activity.
2: There's even studies done on people that... In let's say piano players, there's a, it takes 10,000 hours of, of practice, of perfect practice to master something. Mm -hmm. And that's the, I guess the magical number that they came up with. And, um, but they took, um, like, I think pianists and they gave them something to practice and they gave one, you practice this many hours a day. Uh, the middle group, they said, you practice and visualize yourself practicing the rest of the day. And then, um, the, the people that didn't practice or that practice but no visualization um or they they get they have a shortened practice time so if i can reclarify i guess the the first group was practicing a longer time second group was practicing less time third group was also practicing less time but they couldn't visualize themselves practicing and the middle group that also visualized themselves practicing didn't lose a step on the people that also practiced longer, longer. than they did wow so it's just, the brain will keep that motor pattern engraved in your system. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't realize also that it's not only the physical, right? right. And your, your, your emotions get stored in your nervous system and your, the way you react to people gets mm-hmm. stored in your nervous system. So everything biologically and survival instincts get stored in your nervous system as to something's coming at your face, you move.
3: right?
2: And so, and then eventually some people become so, I guess, proud that they will stand in front of that. They'll override their survival mechanisms and, you know, you're not going to hit me. And then the punch stops right before them (laughs) and they're like, see, I knew it. And one day they get tagged. I don't know. Right. But, um, (laughs) uh, but that's, that's the, I guess the, what people don't really look into is how the body actually functions Mm. when you actually put it all together, because it's one thing to look at, a you know, a bicep. But how does the bicep relate to your lat? How does the bicep relate to your neck? Mm-hmm. How does the bicep relate to your jaw? How does it relate to your breathing? How does it relate to your eyesight? All that, everything I said after bicep can impede the bicep. Right. And so, you know.
1: Interesting. I love that you brought up the visualization component. Um, years ago, uh, I interviewed, uh, an Olympic diver and that was the first thing he talked about. Was all of the hours that he would just spend, like, not even doing anything physical, but just, like, sitting with this very clear visualization of the dives, of the movements, of the preparation, of the exercises that he would even do, you know, to prepare for it. I thought that was just so fascinating. Um, And, again, it just kind of reaffirms how big that you know brain or nervous system component is that we think about the movement coming from my my totally ripped out bicep but the movement's coming from here mm-hmm. and if like this system is not working optimally then it doesn't matter how strong your bicep is that kind of gets back to what you were saying earlier mm-hmm. about having that um I guess, maybe not strength of the parasympathetic system, but spending enough time in that parasympathetic state where your body is truly relaxed and recovering, rebuilding all those, you know, broken muscle fibers and everything, um, and that actually like skimping on your rest and your sleep and everything like that is actually going to end up impeding your performance when you actually hit the track or the weights or yeah. whatever it is. and
2: which resting also makes your organs stronger, which means that they can handle more. Mm-hmm. Because if they're op- functioning at hundred percent or close to hundred percent versus 25%, then they're going to, you're going to be able to do more with your physical body because it can handle the stress. Mm. But if you've limited how much the organs can stress, can be stressed. That's why they're called viscera because they're viscous and they're non-compressible and so as the muscles compress on the, on the viscera, they don't want to be compressed. So they dissipate all that energy and shut off the muscles around the tissue, like your core. And so if your core doesn't function, you're not going to be able to stabilize your spine. And if you're doing an exercise that requires a lot of core stability or deadlifting or anything with rotation or flexion, the like golfing, flexion and rotation, and most people get hurt in flexion and rotation. And that's what golf is. It's flex right. and rotate as fast as you, you know, really, really quickly mm-hmm. while you're trying to maintain precision of this golf club. Right. So you hit the ball perfectly, but at the same time, if you don't have any stability because your organs are just dissipating heat into the tissues, turning things off, there's no stability there.
3: Right.
2: Which is also interesting because if you have too much inflammation and that can actually help stability because it's, it's almost turns into that balloon effect where you inflame and then tissues just kind of hold you together, but you lose flexibility. And so it just depends on, so a lot of these weightlifters, right. And, you know, as long as they don't require extreme flexibility, they can lift tons of weights because they're basically like balloons and they put on a belt, which is the, is holding all that in. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not functioning. It's not a good, it's not a good habit for people that are living their lives because you're, you're creating an inverse breathing pattern, Mm. which means that you're probably going to have some kind of mental, emotional stress because your body can't breathe and calm itself down properly. But that doesn't matter if you could deadlift 900 pounds
3: right.
2: for that moment. You set a record, then once you get hurt or injured or then figure out your life, right. you know, and, but that's like the drive that gets people there, but also people don't really take the time to take care of themselves while they're getting there right. because they think they can't get there without basically injuring themselves. Right.
1: And, you know, that reminds me of, um, we have a physical therapist that we work with and, uh, she just... Um, recently filmed uh, an entire series, or we started filming an entire series, going through different, like, mobility, I guess, like, ways to check your mobility.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and she was talking about how, you know, she has a lot of athletes who come in, and they're incredibly strong. And then they start going through these little mobility tests. And she is like, it's, it's sad, how immobile they become you know so taking that example of somebody who's like lots of upper body strength they can bench press or deadlift you know a huge amount of weight but then they start getting into these like mobility tests like the wall angel and looking at your shoulder mobility and she's like man we have to start you like like we're going to be working for a long time to rebuild that because not only have they Like not been working on the mobility and trying to consider the flexibility and just like keeping the, I guess, health and function of the body in mind as well as building up that strength and that target weight they want to lift or whatever. Um, But now they've also like, I guess, added insult to injury for lack of a Silly um, because now they have all of this, you know, other work and other stress that they've put on the body that has to somehow be undone mm-hmm. to help restore that mobility that they did have at one time. Mm-hmm. And then they like trained it out of their body
2: almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, a deep, it goes a lot deeper into I'm trying to figure out how to, how to answer that. Um, <laughs> I have to answer it in multiple parts because depending on the sport of the athlete or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you take a cyclist who's always in a hunched-over position, and who's adapted to that, you want to make sure you train someone like that, not further into that position. Right. But you also don't want to fully correct that position because it can impede how long they can sit on that bike. Right. And race, and if they're getting paid to do that, you just made them worse by trying to make them better. Mm. And so it just depends on who who you're working with, and right. so and so a lot of a lot of um, a lot of athletes that are imbalanced and they have comp- compensatory patterns. It's figuring out how far do I take them out of this
3: mm-hmm.
2: before their performance actually goes down. Interesting. Yeah. And so, but when you're looking at like a, and you have to look at all the different, um, uh, abilities that a human being have, it has speed, agility, strength, flexibility, uh, coordination. And so you're looking at all, uh, I think there's nine of them. And so there's these, all these different attributes that people have and each sport has different attributes, one higher than the other, just like video games where, mm-hmm. you know, this guy is strong, but he's not, but he's slow and this guy's fast, but he's weak, you know? Right. And so it's, it's looking at what's, what are you trying to do in your sport? And what does it take to, f- to be the best at your sport?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because that's totally different than what it takes to be a dad, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's when you're a dad and your function and you have an office job, but you're training, like you're a professional cyclist, and then you're ruining your posture but now you can't pick up your kid because you're in this you're in this hunched over posture mm. and you can't play with your kid because your back hurts what are you what are you doing right and are you getting paid to do that if you enjoy it great do it for the love of it without sacrificing your body for it right and the relationships of your kids because mm-hmm. if you can't play with your kids they're going to suffer for it mm-hmm. and so most people that are training either have trained along like uh, our trainers or in some kind of, uh, uh, rehab situation, our, our, our rehab facilitators, I, sh- I should say, have been in some kind of athletic field for a long time. And they mm-hmm. still train that way without asking their clients, what do you do? Why are you doing it? What, what, what is your belief behind doing that? Yeah. Even if it's losing five pounds, why, why do you want to lose five pounds? Why do you want to make, do this race? Why do you want to exercise? Why do you want to, why? And if it's anything other than because I love myself and I want to be healthier, right? And if it's anything external, then mm. there's, gonna, there's a problem. There's ways to address that. Well, I guess we don't have time for, for that to go into the whole <laughs> gamma of the ways to address that. But there is ways to go about that where sometimes it's okay to focus on others
3: mm.
2: as long as it's serving you, right? Like playing yeah. with your kids serves you my motivation to play with my kids. Cause if I don't care about myself enough to take care of myself, but I care about my kids more than I care about myself, you're using the, your kids as an example to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so there's ways to coach, mm-hmm. right? Which is why I coach coaches to think these ways, right. because if you don't even have the awareness to, to see that, then you're going to miss it. And mm-hmm. if you're going to miss it, you can potentially develop an injury for your client or patient, or then you could potentially train them for the wrong sport or train them for the wrong reasons. Right. right? And, and just encourage their behavior mm-hmm. as to why they're doing that thing. And then when they get hurt, now they have an excuse to finally rest. And then it goes back to that rest issue. Right. right? Because of the belief I need to, I need to lose five pounds or my husband won't love me. Right. And that's like the underlying issue, but you got to love yourself. It's right. not about them.
1: And, and something like that, just, you know. Kind of like opens this whole other thing where like yeah. the problem is not the five pounds that's yeah. on your body. Correct. Like that's not the physical problem yeah. we're talking about here.
2: And the problem is not your physical imbalance. It's what caused you
1: mm.
2: mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and also probably physically because your movements aren't probably, probably not great. So right. all these compounding ways why your body feels the way it does. Mm-hmm. And the amazing part is you could be the daylight side of your body. And and drink coffee and smoke for 40 years and eat poorly and then develop something. And then in a year or two, fix all that. Right? The body is resilient, but our mindset is create chaos. Then once you have too much chaos, fix the chaos instead of constantly chipping away at the chaos, Mm -hmm. bringing the chaos level back down so that your body can function and repair itself all the time. So that way you're not taking time off from doing what you love. If you're doing what you love, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other problem. Most people aren't doing what they love, which is a heartache in and of itself. Right. feels like a trap. Definitely. Yeah.
1: And if you, and like, you know, like you said, if you don't have the right reasons, the right motivation, and I think just the self-love, the self-worth that you're coming at something, you know, with the, you know, um, I don't know. I guess it's like almost having um like, all of your strength really going towards the thing. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're coming at it for the wrong reasons or the wrong motivations or there's some kind of, like, self-worth mm-hmm. is not there and you're coming at it in a way to try and improve your self-worth somehow, mm-hmm. then suddenly, like, you're not firing on all cylinders, so to speak. You mm-hmm. know, you're only getting however much of your physical body, your physical strength, you make the time, you show up there, but then, you know, like you said, the mental, the emotional pieces, which are way bigger than it, but most people are probably even realizing Mm. those pieces are not firing, not coming, not working. Then either you're going to lose the motivation or you're, you know, whatever. It sounds like there's a lot of different ways that can kind of manifest through injury, through you don't meet your goals, through, you know, getting, I guess, maybe a little off topic, but definitely um, something that's very real to people, um, like eating disorders mm-hmm. and how, you know, if people aren't, you know, doing the fitness, doing the eating right for the right reasons, then that ego keeps pushing them to get thinner, to get stronger, to get this, whatever. And then it's all at, you know, oftentimes at the detriment of, of what truly is healthy for that person, mm-hmm. what's truly going to help them function most optimally, and like you said earlier, function for your whole life and have this wonderful quality of life, so that you're not um, sick or injured or whatever at some point, mm-hmm. and then unable to do the things that you love, be with your family, mm-hmm. you know, um, all yeah. of those daily activities that we do and we often take for granted, but so many people end up, you know, maybe like losing that ability. Just to do the simple things that that so many of us take for granted every mm-hmm. day.
2: Yeah, and and the whole the I mean eating disorder is a uh, I can simplify it really easily. It's, it's people that lack control in their life. Mm. And so if you feel like you can't control anything in your life, well I can control the way I treat my body or I don't treat my body. Mm. And so a lot of people manipulate their diet manipulate their exercises, manipulate, be bodybuilders, control. I can control this one thing because I don't know what to do with my mental, emotional, and spiritual state of being. Mm. And I'm so full of mental, emotional, spiritual congestion that the only way I can deal with these problems are through managing my food, managing my, how I treat people, managing my exercise. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking.
3: Yeah.
2: But that's why... I got trained to do this Mm -hmm. because there's the, the, the furthest, the, the further I get down the path and, and I notice something's missing. So I learn about that thing and I learn about that thing and I learn about the next thing. And Mm -hmm. then, and then you always kind of bring it back and cord and and tie it all back together. And it's, you know, I used to be able to, you know, someone goes, Hey, I want to exercise and go, okay, let's go. You know, now Mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to know about your health, your family life, your childhood, you know, I, I need to know. I need to see you breathe, which I see, you know, the moment they walk in and, you know, they talk about something stressful and they take a big breath and it's all backwards. And, and so, um, it goes all back to once again, why I told you beliefs in the beginning. And yeah. so unless you believe, and then in this culture, we don't know, we don't really, we're not really taught how to act on our emotions. We're just taught to kind of like, you know, brush it off, seal
1: them up, bottle yeah. them up. Don't share them with anybody.
2: Or be completely out there with them to the point where you're actually, by minding your own feelings, you're actually insulting other people's feelings, mm. right? There's, it's a pendulum. It goes both ways. You say right. nothing, you say too much versus being able to articulate or have the tools to articulate how you feel and then deliver it in a way that's. Uh, receivable, Mm -hmm. you know, nonviolent communication is a good book for that. And so it teaches you how to speak in needs, feelings and wants, and how to actively listen to people's underlying needs. Mm -hmm. So that way you can, you can hear what they're really needing versus what they're saying, because Mm -hmm. what they're saying, what they're needing are, could be two different things. And we're taught consciously or unconsciously how to build these walls up for ourselves because. You know, if no one's going to respect my needs, I'm just going to have to control my scenar- my, my surroundings. And if I can control my exercise, control my diet, control the way I schedule my day and I stay busy and I don't have to think about these thoughts, then, then I'll be okay until you, you get hurt doing mm-hmm. the, what you love or what you're externalizing these, these, uh, pent up emotions and these pent up thoughts right. about. So a lot of the times is once you clear that space out, you have more space to do more anything, right? you know, and so, you know, spring cleaning. There's a good time to you clean your house. Well, it's also good, not a bad time to every day journal, get your feelings out, learn how to process it. If you don't know how that book is great. And the one thing that they say in that book, just because you're practicing it doesn't mean the person in front of you is going to practice it.
3: Mm. It
2: works when both people practice it really well, right? but there's no guarantee. The only thing you can do is concentrate on yourself and that's It goes back to exactly what we're talking about, athletic performance. You're concentrating Mm -hmm. in yourself to make yourself better. But if you're not even aware that these things are an issue, then that's an unconscious drive. And so Mm -hmm. those are going to show up as symptoms in the body, which is why they're all usually all physical, but they all stem with something that you can't touch, which is the mental, the emotional, the spiritual body. You you just can't touch them. You can experience them Mm -hmm. with sensory and a lot non-sensory, right? Some people have, you know, how many people, how many, how many, I'm sure people listening will have thought of someone in the past. Then all of a sudden they call and you're like, wait a second, you've experienced (laughs) something non-sensory and you thought they somehow were thinking about you and experienced them. Mm -hmm. So we all have that capability to a degree and you can make them stronger, just the same way you can stand under a barbell and make your squat stronger. And so, but you know just this, but most people that are standing under barbells under a squat under a squat rack aren't standing under the emotional barbell mm. or the mental barbell and questioning their thoughts and the way they're treating people and the way they're treating themselves right. and the way they're reacting to people right and that's why you have all this conflict my beliefs are different than your beliefs and we don't know what to do about that
1: right and we can't have a conversation about it and we can't just accept that we might disagree on something so mm-hmm. now it has to like be this constant
2: And then what do you do with all that angst? You go work out. Yeah. And then if you don't have the movement patterns to support even good movement, you get hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? You're in my office and then we're talking about this,
1: (laughs) you know?
3: (laughs) Right.
2: And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, the body is simple, but not. Once you understand how it all functions and inter, and inter um, and it all integrates together, and how it all supports each other, mm-hmm. and how it has hierarchies of survival systems, because it doesn't matter how strong your back is if you're not breathing properly and your jaws isn't functioning, you're you're, you're weak. You could be stronger. And a lot of times, like I said, I go I go down the the check totem pole. And so breathing, jaw function, eyesight, uh, hearing atlas, which is the, the cervical, then the, uh, your first cer- cervical vertebrae on top, which your skull sits on. And we're looking at then, then the organs, then the emotions, then the organs, and then the pelvis. And then at the very bottom is your slave joints, as Paul calls them, or your <laughs> spine and your leg and your, and your bones, mm-hmm. because all that is the last thing that gets addressed on the hierarchy of survival. Right. You'll avoid your bowels before you'll care about your, your, your sprained ankle. When you're in danger of running, Mm -hmm. you will, if you can't see, you're going to run into something and potentially your survival goes out the window. If you can't control, if you can't eat your survivals out the window, if you can't breathe, your survival is definitely out the window. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at these patterns and above that is your, sorry, above that is your, your, your soul, your, your yin, your yang, your unconscious, because all of that stems into how you behave, because if you were traumatized as a kid. Or as an adult, mm. that's gonna affect your breathing. Because no one when they're scared goes, Ah <laughs> it's usually and then they freeze and then they stay like that. Mm-hmm. And everyone even can do that, pretend they're scared and you can feel your whole body become rigid.
3: Yeah.
2: And the way to undo that, well, the way to counterbalance that right now instantly is think of a great memory you had, whether it was playing with your dad, playing with your mom, playing with your kids, and all of a sudden your body starts to relax and you can breathe through your belly again. And it's very powerful. And if that's still in the unconscious and you don't have awareness to bring it into the conscious so you could work on it, there's no fixing the breathing Mm. because there's still an unconscious fear, which means you're going to be playing out of fear in whatever sport you're doing. You're going to be working out through fear of failure, fear of, you know, hurt, fear of, of more pain, but that fear is causing problems in your kidneys, which are dissipating heat into your, into your legs. Mm. Which means you're not, you're not breathing properly, which means you're not pumping the water properly through your system, which means you're not cooling your body properly because you're hyperventilating constantly your your respiratory rate is up, which means you're, you're hot. And so what does that do? That heats up the body and flames the body. And then the joints have to deal with that. The muscles have to deal with it. So you go get a massage, try to fix all that. But it all stems back to beliefs, but we're treating the physical issue.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how people you know, they fixate on like the physical manifestation and in some ways, you know, yeah, because you can observe it, you can feel it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's definitely, um, you know, I I think a pretty common thing, you know, whether it's, you know, talking to chiropractors or yoga teachers, massage therapists, whatever, that people kind of go and go and go until they get injured. And that's kind of keeps coming up in our conversation here that, you know, um, I, 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 don't, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like only 10% of our nervous system has pain receptors. Um, so like at the point that you're feeling pain and you're able to feel pain, like whatever the problem is, has been going on for such a great deal of time. And mm-hmm. then there's 90% of your nervous system that we have no way of perceiving pain or dysfunction in any way at all. You're not like, oh, you know, I feel like my kidney isn't quite working the way it's supposed to. And we just, you know, so we fixate on those physical manifestations, but, you know, we don't even realize how much unseen Mm -hmm. is contributing to it or maybe causing it. Mm -hmm. Or like the example used earlier that your shoulder hurts and your shoulder hurts and maybe you don't even realize that the problem's not even coming from anywhere near your shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a vertebrae down in your lower back or something, mm-hmm. or organ just dis- you know is not functioning at its mm-hmm. o- optimal. Um, can we go back as we're kind of in our our closing thoughts here uh, to the first thing that you, one of the big things you talked about earlier, breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, So I would imagine ideal scene is that you're actually working with someone, you know, in your clinic, working with them. But are there any um, tips or little exercises you could share with our listeners that they could do to uh, I start improving their breathing?
2: Oh, of course. Um, Usually I start people on their back. And I take like a water bottle or something heavy and I put it on their belly button. And so the, the weight of the, weight of the bottle will cause a reflex. Mm -hmm. So if it's heavy enough, you're, you're going to want to push it away.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. It's just what the body's going to do. And so the goal is to, as you inhale, lift and fill the belly and push away whatever is on your belly and you could do it with your hands. And some people still can't do that.
3: Interesting.
2: So then we have them face down. And when they're on all fours, like, like they're doing a tabletop, you know, hands and knees position. Mm Your organs are hanging on your guts from the, or, or your guts are hanging on your, onto your abdominal wall from the inside. So whatever you touch, activate, you activate. And so, um, some athletes they'll you know, or some people in the gym will touch their bicep when they're lifting it because touching it excites it and actually makes it function better. Mm-hmm. Same thing with rehab, you know, you touch between the shoulder blades and it excites the rhomboids and it gets the movement that you want,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which is, which is what it's a great, you know, awareness tool. mm mm-hmm especially when you're doing breathing because when you lay down your organs just kind of sit on your your abdominal wall so you can get that stretch reflex and then pull it in so inhale belly goes down exhale belly goes up and then there's going to be lots of compensatory mechanisms like you're going all around your spine and around your shoulders and head and move shift and all that stuff mm-hmm. but if you don't move <laughs> and so if I'm just picturing people that I can't see right now and if they're in a the tabletop position And with some slight lumbar curvature or lower back curvature. And so, and they can only move as at the belly level and the belly's only moving up and down, that's the ideal way to get people to start breathing better Mm. because now they have no, they have no load from gravity. So now they're not stabilizing their joints while they're trying to breathe.
3: Okay.
2: Right. So they're, they're something called non-axial loading, where basically the spine isn't loaded and then you just lay down and you have no compression in your spine. So there's no compression in the nerves and then it's easier to function. It's easier to be stable, which is another thing that can impede performance, people that work out on the ground too much, and then they get up and try to do something. Mm. That, let me go back to the breathing thing, because that's a <laughs> whole other discussion. Um,
0: the podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv.
2: But yeah, once once they learn how to inhale and swell the belly up without engaging their neck or their chest, and then just be mindful of what your neck and your chest are doing, if you see your neck... And your and in your neck swelling and tensing. And if you see your chest rising and, mm. and shrugging the shoulders while you're trying to breathe from your belly, then you could, then you might need some kind of diaphragm release and some soft tissue work in order to actually, cause there could be spasms in the tissue that are holding everything together. Mm-hmm. And, or you could have been in a slouch state long enough that the obliques or the abdominals are so tight that you can't have an, even expand the diaphragm properly. You can't drop the diaphragm. It's like trying to open an umbrella with the little string still stuck on it. You can't because it's yeah. holding it together. And so mm-hmm. you have to release the string of muscles in this safe, in case t- for the, allow the rib cage to expand and the diaphragm to drop and vacuum air in, mm-hmm. into your system. Cause it's a very, um, I guess the only active thing you have is inhaling and pa- and exhaling could be active or it could be passive. Cause if you just relax it, you just exhale. But inhaling is a very active system. You have to choose to inhale again. Mm-hmm. And so as you inhale, the belly swells, right. And then that's what creates a healthy breath, a full breath, two thirds, belly, one third chest. You shouldn't be breathing like that all the time. You're going to give yourself a dysfunction. Just <laughs> breathe like that all the time. So, but casually two to two thirds of your breath. And if you're doing two thirds of your, your breathing from your belly versus just the one third, that's already 66%. Versus thirty-three mm-hmm. percent. So if you're breathing improperly, at thirty-three percent, once again, that's still a failing grade. Right. And so if you're breathing sixty-six, uh, uh, you know, sixty-six percent, which is already a passing grade, but also with that sixty-six percent, you're using a massive muscle designed for breathing versus the accessory muscles, mm-hmm. like your your scalenes, your sternocleidomastoid, and your neck, and or scalenes in your neck. Also, for people that aren't watching, but um, uh, your pecs, your pec minor, your lats, all these things will bring you into internal rotation, further collapsing your rib cage on top of your diaphragm, which means you're not going to be able to take a breath anyway. So the more you stay in this pattern, you can't, it's harder to get out of this pattern without help. Right. And so as you, as you practice, you could open it up, but some people have trigger points and trigger points shut off muscles really quickly. And so you need to get that trigger point released in order for the muscle to function properly. Again, it could be ischemic. It could not have blood flow in that muscle, which means it doesn't have nutrient delivery in that muscle, which could be it's fibrotic. It's tough. It's tense. It's not soft and malleable like it should be. Mm -hmm. And so you're, if you're still having problems with breathing without these, with, with, with these two techniques then it's going to be hard to breathe standing without further, uh, intervention of some kind of professional that knows what he's doing in this regard to Mm -hmm. align the skeletal structure properly enough to allow you to breathe properly and integrate that in your system. And that still doesn't, we're still not even talking about if we haven't addressed their belief systems, Right. but, and then once they, once they can lay down, on their back, breathe comfortably through their belly, relax their neck. They can even squeeze this, the big muscle on the side of their neck mm-hmm. and, and just feel, is it getting tense? Is it turning on? Is it puffing up under their, under their fingers? And then the goal is to relax the neck while the belly goes. And then they go, they can go into a kneeling position. Then they can stand up. Wow. So, and then once they stand up and start breathing properly, then you start integrating it into your exercises, which change the breathing pattern changes, the breathing sequencing changes. Or the timing changes depending on the exercise you're doing, right. which is a whole other mm-hmm. <laughs> other direction and then and then you become more um, healthy right. and more safe and less injury prone and then your organs are getting the proper um, remember I said earlier the the organs are viscous mm-hmm. or they're not compressible, so as you exhale, the or- the belly pushes against the organs, and the organs compress and then they Rebound,
3: mm. which
2: creates a pump. Oh, so okay. now you're circulating your organs by breathing. Nice. So if you don't breathe properly, you're not refreshing your organs every day. Interesting. Every minute, every second, or every, you know, five seconds or however how long it takes you to breathe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so you're further letting your own organs pollute themselves
3: because
2: mm-hmm. they need to be pumped, right? You have, your heart's a pump, your intestines are a pump. And oh, I forgot what the other biological pump is. This, I think your brain is the other pump because mm-hmm. it's constantly sending signals, but I could be wrong. So we might need to revise that. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but once you coordinate these pumps together, the system works.
3: Wow.
2: Just the same way in a car, if the timing is off in the, the delivery of the fuel injectors into the car, if something is not functioning properly, then, then, the, then the timing in the engine's off, that means it's not... Uh, it's not working at its best. And the same thing is if you just race that car 100% without letting it rest, it's going to break down too. Right. And so all these things intertwine. And that's why I really have enjoyed how the way Paul teaches in the check system, has t- how to look at all these things in an in- in- integrated unit that allow people to achieve what they need to achieve or they want to achieve. Right. Or they believe they should or, you know, n- follow whatever they need to do to follow their dream Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or else what's the point? Mm -hmm. What's the point of exercising? If you don't have a purpose,
3: right?
2: If it's just to beat up your body, then, you know, eat some bad food and you'll beat your body up. And (laughs) I'm sure it's still enjoyable with all the other bad quality food out there. It's very tasty, but it's not very good for us. And, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't want to encourage that. I guess. Right, right. Um, But that's why we need to address all these things. Mm -hmm. And all these things can impede performance, right? The the weakest link can impede performance. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so it's so much outside of exercise. Right. And it's going to be hard to get into the proper movement patterns. With organ dysfunction, mental, emotional stress, relationship stress, spiritual stress, it's going to be hard to go back down and get back up. Mm -hmm. for a long period of time. It's not sustainable, right? I don't know how many athletes I see on TV with, you know, image of health, but they're wrapped up in Enduro tape or some kind of braces or Mm -hmm. some kind of, you know, they're always in recovery and they're always, you know, know, uh, this happened, uh, I just have to tape it up or wrap it up. And, you know, I have to take this toolbox of supplements to keep me somewhat regular and, Mm -hmm. but they're missing the whole point of, you know, it's, you're supplementing Mm -hmm. and to supplement means you should add to what you're not getting. So if you're already supplementing, that means you understand that you're not getting what you need,
1: right?
2: which means you have to figure out what you need.
1: Mm -hmm. And I love that just, I mean, just taking that holistic approach, you know, um, we have a lot of people that discuss functional medicine on the channel. And so again, it's just about looking at your body and saying, hey, if you want this area of the body to function, right, guess what, we need your entire body functioning, functioning properly. Um, So same thing, you know, like people get fixated on this physical thing or, oh, I can't do this and whatever. Well, meanwhile, maybe there's like all of these areas of dysfunction. Maybe they're even aware of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, well, I know that, you know, I've got these like crazy digestive issues or I know that my whatever isn't working right or... Mm And then you start being like, oh, all right, well, we just identified all these areas of dysfunction. Now it seems really obvious Mm -hmm. why you're having this problem. It's not a mystery anymore. Um, And you can start to actually, um, you know, create the remedy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly enough, whether it's, you know, functional medicine, helping someone with anxiety, sleep problems, or, you know whatever there's just so many different things that are kind of afflicting us in the modern age um interestingly it all ends up kind of coming back to some of these basic things and like i said earlier breathing is something that comes up in almost every single one of these interviews Mm -hmm. um and so i love that it even came up here talking about you know athletics where Mm -hmm. um Oftentimes the things that I think people get really fixated on, oh, I'm not getting enough protein or I'm not doing enough this or I'm not lifting enough or whatever. Like actually, maybe it's just that you're not breathing right. You're mm-hmm. not eating right. You are not being there for your family, being there for your friends. All those little pieces that, um, you know, people just overlook or don't think that they matter. Yeah. I don't
2: know. Yeah, I'm going to say something kind of weird. It might be might be weird to a lot of people unless <laughs> they understand kind of where I'm coming from. I've... There's so many times where you, when you touch on protein and diet and food, and there's always these, always these arguments about macronutrients. There's been times where I've physically eaten borderline nothing and have gained weight and strength and size. And there's times where I've eaten a lot and have gotten weaker and not as strong and light doesn't have matter to it, mm-hmm. but light. Is what creates matter, right? So we don't always need more protein. We need more breathing. We need more light. We need and any, that's why infrared saunas. That's why you have the sun. That's Mm -hmm. why you have all these light therapies is because light creates healing effects in the body Mm -hmm. because light is just waves and information. And when waves and information give you what you're not getting, your body has a chance to heal itself while it has a lapse of, of, of stress mm-hmm. because it's getting what it's needing. But if you're only supplementing yourself with that, then live under that light bulb. You know? right. <laughs> and so, and so a lot of these, a lot of these, yeah, like what you were saying with, with people miss the boat, you know, sort of mm-hmm. say when they're focusing on one thing, mm-hmm. there isn't one thing, you know, just, just the same way if you develop a codependent relationship with anyone, whether it be a coach or a trainer or a a chiropractor, you're always dependent on them to help you Mm
3: -hmm.
2: versus learning about yourself, which is why I, what I coach people on Mm -hmm. and that's what check coaches at people on the check system is how to be independent because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be there every day Mm -hmm. telling you, no, you shouldn't eat that, you know, or don't, don't, don't exercise too much. I'm going to I'm going to we're going to figure out your dream. We're going to figure out what your purpose is. We're going to figure out why you want to do the thing you want to do. And then we're then we're going to figure out what your movement imbalances are. Then we're going to go through a full orthopedic assessment that's going to take me 4 to 6 hours to do. And we're going to measure your eyesight. We're going to measure where your or your eyes don't track properly. We're going to measure where your jaw doesn't move properly. We're going to measure if there's, if there's any metal in your teeth or look if there's any metal in your teeth or we're going to measure mm-hmm. if there's any asymmetries in the body and then we address that. Right. Because unless we understand why you want to do this mm-hmm. and there are some aspects of, if you align the structure, they can be more aligned to the emotional and mental. So there's even, there's both aspects, right. you know, but also if you align someone into being more confident, they can also realize why they weren't confident in the first place and that could be traumatic and put them back into a low confidence state, wow. right? Or they become narcissistic. And they enjoy how confident they are
1: mm-hmm. because Again, no, the one's pendulum ever, idea. Yeah,
2: no one's ever validated that in them. Right. And then yeah. now they're getting validation and that feels good right. from other people, which is codependency, mm-hmm. because the moment you don't get that, it's going to shut you down and it's going to feed your performance.
1: Right. Right. I think about, um. There was a a book called The Four Agreements, and Mm -hmm. one of the agreements is that you don't take anything personally. Whether it's someone praising you, trying to lift you up, you don't take it personally. And in the same way, you don't take it personally when somebody's trying to put you down and make you feel bad about yourself or Mm -hmm. whatever. And just in general, this practice of not taking things personally, kind of trying to stay in the the mid-range of the pendulum, so Mm -hmm. to speak, so that your self-worth isn't dependent on that praise and that Mm -hmm. positive reactions. But then also your self-worth isn't degraded by people who are mean or rude or whatever Mm -hmm. because that just exists way too much in our culture. Unfortunately, because so many of those people are probably, you know, suffering from that like really low self-worth themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, just this great, you know, practice of like your self-worth is defined by you. And you don't let these external factors you know, whether it's the case of celebrities who end up, I mean, there's just so many terrible stories of celebrities that, you know, they gain all of the things that we, you know, regular people or whatever think that we want and think would make us happy. But then they get that and they get all the praise in the world and they end up terribly unhappy and with all kinds of, you know, drug problems or whatever. Um, So it just is kind of a testament that Mm -hmm. whether it's praise or whether it's Degradation or whatever, if you can isolate yourself from those things and, like you said, kind of stay in that middle part of the pendulum, mm-hmm. um, then that's really the sweet spot because you don't want to become the cocky rock star, but you also don't want to be on the other end of the spectrum where you have such low self worth that you're leaving people mean comments on YouTube or something like yeah. that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have two comments on that. I heard, so, I, I was watching a video on Facebook and just a comment on what you were saying about people that achieve wealth, and I, they said something that kind of like struck me and so, and and they said some people are so poor, all they have is money.
3: Mm.
2: And the other thing is, I think life is about experience. Yeah. And so until you've experienced sadness, you can't appreciate happiness. Mm. But once you've achieved happiness, what do you do with it? Do you become arrogant or do you remember how how humbling Mm. it is to be neglected and to be mistreated? Right. And so... I think people need to go through the pendulum before they can rest in the center. And I think a lot of people have a hard time forgetting that they're, or they have a hard time remembering that they're human beings with ranges of emotions, ranges of experience because without experience, you have nothing to relate. right? Right. And so if you've never, if you've always had great relationships and you've never had a bad one, Which doesn't make sense. I guess if you only had one relationship (laughs) and you've only, that's like the best thing. Some people are blessed with that and say, this is not my path. I met my person. We're going to do great things. And that's beautiful. There's so many people like that in the Mm -hmm. world. But like how many times on Tinder do you have to be hurt before you catch on to the pattern of the men or women you're attracting?
3: Right.
2: Right. And then you go, oh, I haven't, I don't like that anymore.
3: Right.
2: Right. And then you. Change yourself, and then you attract a new person unconsciously. You know, mm-hmm. you may think conscious, you may you may consciously put that into the system, but then you attract them unconsciously after it becomes in root in- embodied in you. Mm-hmm. But especially, well, unless you say the things you want, but really feel differently. Right. You know, just try to praise other people, say, mm-hmm. "Oh, I want these altruistic t- qualities in a human," but really you don't, mm-hmm. right? Then you're going to still keep attracting all these people that you know why does this keep happening to me? Right. And, but that's the, that's the pain teacher coming back into your life over and over and over until you get it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it'll mm-hmm. keep happening until you get it. You'll keep getting injured until you get it. You'll keep having bad relationships till you get it. You'll have painful breakups till you get it. You'll have painful job experiences until you get it. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You're showing up to work late. You got fired. Well, how many times does it take before you don't show up to work late? Right. Right. And so there's, you know, there's that range of once you experience the range of the pendulum, you know, how many people go from vegan to full keto. I've seen it. Oh yeah. Before they just go, oh, you know what? I like the mix. Yeah. And you go, Great. You know, but some people get stuck on one side of the pendulum, which is what the problem is. They get All stuck right. on the swing up, and they're fighting staying up there and, setting them, and setting, letting the natural occurrence of what is harmony letting them bring them back into the center. Mm-hmm. And if vegan is center for you, then that's one thing. If keto is center for you, that's one thing. If eating a variety is one of, of, of fruits and vegetables is good for you, that's, that's your harmony, that's your truth, live it. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out what your harmony is, you tend not to push it on people. Right. You tend to share your experience
1: mm-hmm.
2: versus your idea of what other, how other people should behave.
1: Right. Alex, I just want to thank you so much for being on the program today. You have shared so many things with me that honestly, I would have never expected to have learned in this discussion. So I'm really excited to have you back on the program again. Maybe we can continue on this topic of um, nutrition for athletes because uh, you're right. Whether it's, you know, counting your macros or vegan, keto, I mean, there's just so much out there. Um, So I would love to have you back on the program again. We can kind of keep delving into this topic. Yeah,
2: that'd be great.
1: Definitely. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for tuning into the program today. You can learn more about Alex at primalfusionhealth.com. And you can find the full one-hour interview video of this session, as well as hundreds of other health and wellness videos on wellnessplus.tv. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day. We hope you'll come back and join us again soon.
0: The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.